Riva tries to make her mark. Leia gets kidnapped by bounty hunters. Obi-Wan is called to action and more as the Skyguys are back to recap the premiere of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Alright, we are back here. The Sky Guys are back. The season premiere of Obi-Wan, the two-part episode one, episode two, dropped early on Disney Plus on Thursday night. They dropped it at midnight Eastern as opposed to 3 a.m. Eastern. So a lot of fun. The Star Wars fans got an early present from celebration. They got to see the episode a few hours early. We are all here, excited to talk about it. We watched it all at midnight, not together, but simultaneously. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. Also with me today, the name's voice you hear in the narration every single week. Welcome back, Pete Counselor. I missed you during the Vanity Fair episode. Yeah, I'm sorry I had to miss it. Uh had something going on uh, previously that uh, I couldn't get out of. Um, but I'm happy to be talking Obi-Wan. Technically, we got the show late, right? We were supposed to, we got the second episode early, but we got the first episode late. We we're supposed to get it this Wednesday. But they pushed it off, and that's completely fine, I think, as we talk about this and, and the Star Wars celebration as well. Um, we're going to hit a lot of great points, so happy to be here. Also with us today... The Grand Inquisitor of this panel. Hopefully, it's a better fate than our, our friend over there, Nick Freyetta, is here. Nick, how are you? Doing great. Awesome to see Obi Wan again on TV, and so it actually dropped at like eleven forty-five Eastern time. I was just on there and checked. It was like eleven fifty, and I was like, "Oh, I'm going to watch it." And I just watched it. But we, looking back, we all watched both of them. We should have just did the watch party feature. I don't know why we didn't. Yeah, I think we just didn't sync it up. We didn't think about that. because I... We didn't think about it. We should have just done that because then we could have like talked throughout the episode. We would have been watching the same thing at the same time because I know I was about 20 minutes ahead of you guys, so I didn't want to say anything. Yeah. But we should have done that. Yeah, because I believe what it was, like Nick started first and Nick finished first, and then Pete was about five minutes ahead of me, and Nick, Nick was about like 10 minutes ahead of both of us. Uh-huh. Yeah. A lot of fun indeed. And before we dive any further into the podcast here, I'm going to say, as always, do the plugs break off at the top here. Pete, if they want to keep what we're doing here on the Sky Guys podcast, you can check us out over on all your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects. Just search for the Sky Guys there. Those of you who follow the Justin the Suffering feed, your game premiere the same time as everybody else does because, again, quick turnaround here. But if you're there, episodes, you got to wait a few days. So if you want that early access, make sure you subscribe to the uh, Sky Guy feed. Absolutely. If you want our opinion that quick, if you want to hear what we have to say about the show, uh, you definitely got to subscribe, especially with the upcoming four weeks of episodes that we're going to have. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. And Nick, they also check out the Instagram. We have a lot of fun stuff going on over there. Yep. At Sky Guys Podcast on Instagram, memes. Uh, we'll all put some recaps of our episodes on there too when they drop. Um, I'll be honest with you, though, there's a two week period where I probably won't do that. Because I'll be uh, off to the other side of the world, but you know, there's a lot of good stuff on that Instagram, and it's 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 a way for us to keep in touch with the audience, especially when we are in between shows, and it's the perfect time for us to say, "Hey, we still exist," you know. Yeah, perhaps if you wrap me, I will run the Instagram for the two weeks you are gone. I will just share some of our clips on there. Yeah, we can do that. Also mentioned here, you can check out the YouTube version, Mike Phillips on YouTube for the video version of this chat. We have all our fancy graphics in there and stuff, and. I want to say, before we get started here on the episode, Nick, we do our Star Wars news every week. There's been a lot going on this week because Star Wars Celebration is happening. We're recording on Friday the 27th, day two, but there was a lot of news coming out on day one. Yeah, there's enough news for us in this section to have done our own episode on just this news. 
But we first off at Celebration, they touched on to get it out of the way because I know we're all thinking it is Mando season three. It's going to come in roughly February is the estimate. And there was a trailer shown at Celebration that we haven't been able to see has not been leaked on the Internet as far as I'm aware. Probably is somewhere, but I haven't seen it. But there's some images you can see of it. But that's all we know as of now. And um, we got a new show announced called Skeleton Crew. And it takes place at the same time during the the Mandalorian stuff. And uh, it is the same guys, you know, Favreau, Filoni, it's all those people. So it's assuming my my assumption is this is the replacement of Rangers of the New Republic because they needed another show. Yeah, also adds a little bit to that here. When we did the Vanity Fair podcast, talk about Grammar Rodeo. This is Grammar Rodeo. That's what the project is. This is the John Watts project. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, it's uh, Jude Law. It's, I guess is the star of the show, right? The lead. Yeah, it's Jude Law and a bunch of 10-year-olds, old, what we've been told. And when I see that logo, and when I hear the word skeleton crew, the first thing I think of when I hear the word skeleton crew is pirates. And when I think of pirates, I think of Hondo. So maybe, you know, maybe they wouldn't cast him as Hondo, but I think we could see Hondo in the show. I'd be really surprised if we didn't, honestly. P, I think Jude Law would be a fun Hondo, though. Yeah, I think it would work. Um, but I agree with Nick. This is this is pointing toward pirates of some kind. Uh, and Hondo, I'm assuming, has to be a part of it. I mean, Disney's kind of gone in the direction of, of adding him as, uh, you know, let's call it an Easter egg right now um, on that Millennium Falcon ride in uh, Galaxy's Edge. But... Um, you know, it, it would make sense. It would make sense for him to be a part of it, at least, you know, Hondo as a character or or maybe the full things about him. Absolutely. I also want to add here on the Mando uh, teaser, like it's been popping up on Twitter occasionally. The Lucas films copyrights, copyrights the hell out of it as soon as it gets up there. I did happen to catch a glimpse of it, like one of the few times before it got blocked. And like we do go to Mandalore in season three of Mandal- of Mandalorian. And Bo-Katan oh, is, is a, I think, going back towards the villainous side of her character from what we've seen so far, Nick. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Um, I said this before on this podcast. It was a long time ago. I think it was when I first came on when we did the uh, the episode that Robert Rodriguez directed of Mandalorian Season 2. I think it was that episode. Yeah, yeah I said, and I put my fingers up like this. I said, Bo-Katan is not a good guy. This is the exact thing I said, and it's very clear now. She is not a good guy. It's just She's just a familiar face. Absolutely. Anything else you want to add from Celebration before we dive into the episode? Yeah, of course. They got the, the teaser trailer for Andor, which, Mike, you said it in your words. This is, Go ahead. Yeah, this show, Andor trailer dropped. We First of all, we're premiere on August 31st, two episodes. Then we'll get the other 10 the weeks after that. This show, if you listen to this podcast, this is everything Nick has wanted in a Star Wars show. It is literally everything. You get to see the... The galaxy under imperial rule. You get to see Coruscant under imperial rule. You get to see the Empire being at the at the height of its powers. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I literally can't wait. And then they announced today Fallen Order, or I guess they're calling it uh, Jedi Survivor, and um, Cal Kestis Game Two. Cal Kestis in that game too, yeah. And some Lego Star Wars thing is coming out this summer, like a summer special Lego Star Legos thing. But. Um, I guess that's it for the news from Star Wars. I guess the big takeaway, which is hilarious to me, is the new show is Skeleton Crew, right? Yep. So let's say this is a Hondo show. Okay. Honestly, I would say it's probably not. 
But I would be shocked if it was a pirate show and he wasn't involved. But let's just say he's the lead. Our character bracket that we did, where we threw in Hondo as a joke <laughs> and told Brescia, you have to include Hondo. And we did all these predictions, and the answer ended up being, we don't know, probably not, but the, end, the answer ends up being Hondo. Think about that. That means we knew something. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, and Pete, before we move on to the actual show, all we want to show here, any thoughts on the Andor trailer from you? No, it looked beautiful. I mean, it looks really good. I'm excited to watch it. Um, I'm taking it for what it is right now. Obviously, I'm not really sure what the storyline's going to be behind it. I haven't done much research behind it, I have to be honest. However, it looks really cool. Uh, it looks like, like you said, it's everything Nick wants. And honestly, I'm excited to see how they play that angle as well. Coruscant under Empire rule. We haven't seen it yet, so... Uh, very excited. Yeah, I will point out, I can see details from the panel I observed as well in terms of the Andor thing. Season one is 12 episodes. It says it's five BBY, so it's going to take place over one year. Then the second season, apparently it's the final season based on the way they talked about it here, is 12 more episodes going from four BBY right into the beginning of Rogue One. So right, It's going gonna, it's gonna to have to include the characters from Rebels, the se- at least the second season. Yeah, I was gonna. Say, it's a good point. So, Pete, we might get some of the Rebels live action characters sort of debuted here. It might be a spot where you get maybe Sabine introduced here and then shows up again in Ahsoka. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a huge possibility. It'd be a great segue. How in the world do you put Zeb in live action? I think you see what, what would he look like? I, and who would play him? The guy who plays Smeagol? Who plays Snoke? I. I I'm gonna throw a I gotta look up the guy's name here. Pete, you gotta filibuster for a second here. I got I have a a guy in mind in terms of the right frame for it. But you want to filibuster on your, any other potential thoughts? Maybe get a Freddie Pr- Prince Jr. here as Kanan. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I would I would love to see Rebels in live action in any sort of capacity. Um, I don't know if we're gonna get it with the Obi Wan show. If we get any characters there, I know. I think in my character draft, I uh, I drafted uh, Harrison Dula, but uh, it. Nick, I don't know about you. I, I think Rebels in live action would actually do very well. And I think that it's, you know, again, you need to segue. Season one could segue into Ahsoka with Sabine. And then you can maybe segue into other shows, um, live action with these characters. I just think Zab would look, there's no way around him looking weird. I, I, I did find the but, guy. The guy uh, have you ever heard of the actor Doug Jones? No. He, he is a famous guy who does a lot of, like, alien characters. I think right now he's playing Saru on Star Trek Discovery, and, like, he's really I tall. Him, I looked him up. He looks like an alien. He's really tall. Like, they don't – they usually have him be aliens in shows. I could see them going to Doug Jones. They go to live-action Zeb. Well, let's see it. Let's see. Yeah, and – That's it for the news then, I guess, right? There's nothing else, right? Am I uh, forgetting something? Ahsoka in 2023 is the only thing we confirmed. Yeah. So we follow I think this. That's it, and they and a lot of Willow stuff. That's not Star Wars news. This is Lucasfilm news. And Harrison Ford showed up. He failed to promote Indiana Jones Five. Did because we don't have the next movie is the Taika movie, which Kathleen Kennedy confirmed in a separate interview. But no, uh... right? They had said that, and then you'll see. I wanted to touch on this. I wanted to forget this. I forgot. So thanks for reminding me before I forgot. So that's the next movie, the the, the Taika movie. Twenty three. You keep seeing it online that it's 2023. You you watch the interview and read the interview. She said, we don't know when it's going to be. Maybe 2023. That does not mean it's coming out next year. Yeah, it does not. I mean, basically. I mean, they might be aiming for December of 2023, but it's at this point 50-50 that it comes out then or could be the next year. Like We don't know yet. Yeah, Pete, basically, like if they're not shooting this one by the fall, it's not coming out next year. 
hundred percent. Yeah, no, they need time for that. So, um, I, I guess like Nick is saying, don't don't believe twenty twenty three is a hard stop. Hey, that's what we're doing. Uh, yeah, you got to take everything with a grain of salt, especially when things are not confirmed. Well, I will make a prediction, like a call here. Whenever this next movie comes out, assuming the podcast is still going at that point, which it should be because you guys love us so much. So, all three of us will go watch this movie together in person. Yeah, of course. All right. Of course. Yeah. And and the reason I bring that up is I've been seeing so many articles that come out. Like, because as soon as an interview happens, everyone makes their own article. Every news outlet has their own article about it. And they all say it's happening in 2023 when she specifically says it, it might not happen in 2023. I'm not confirming that. Absolutely. And before now let's start diving into the Obi-Wan spear here. And, let's do it. And Pete, I've got to say... I love the fact that Disney jumped and punked Netflix and dropped both Obi-Wan episodes before Stranger Things dropped. I thought that was fantastic work by them. I thought it was a very, very fun idea. Yeah, I think it was as well. Um, I think I think maybe the push back was to try to trump uh, Stranger Things. I mean, I, I don't really see anything that happened that made me feel like they had to push Obi-Wan from Wednesday to Friday when he came to the Star Wars celebration. So I feel like this might have been strategic just to try to get under Netflix's skin maybe and say like, hey, look, we're going to have other people watching Obi-Wan and they're going to go to bed instead of watching Stranger Things. Um, that's my take. I, I could be wrong. Um, but hell of a play. Hell of a play by uh, by Disney. Yeah, Nick, I, as a movie strategist, I think I love this move so much. I do think this is does sort of fit my theory at the celebration that they wanted to show the episodes at Celebration and then they show them at 7 uh, Pacific time, so 10 Eastern. And then basically right after, you say it came out about 11.45 on, on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, I checked at 11.52 or 51, and it was there. And yeah. that's when I started watching. And I saw something online that said it came out at uh, 8.45 for the West Coast, so 11.45 our time. So basically right after the Celebration panel ended, they put it on Disney+, Plus to try and beat the spoilers. This is all, I think, pre-planned. Yeah, it was, it was honestly it was a lot of fun. I'm glad they did. And before we dive into specific plot points, general thoughts on the episodes, Nick. Episode or episode? How do you want to do this? Uh, then we got yeah, two to on, discuss here. On the premiere as a whole. Uh, awesome. Awesome. I liked one of the episodes significantly more than the other one, but I still liked them both a lot. Pete, uh, general thoughts. Uh, I'm I'm with Nick on the awesome part, but I, I like both of them equally and for different reasons. Um, but I think it was fantastic. I love the way they started it, and we'll get into that, obviously. Um, it, it, I don't want to say it's refreshing, but after going through the Book of Boba Fett to see a premiere like this, it's it's kind of like, a, oh, Star Wars is back, you know? Uh, yeah. I think they're going to do this right. Four more episodes, obviously, to get through, but I don't think it's going to be a bad season if this is what we're starting off with. Yeah, I did also like they treat this more like the movies, whereas, like, if you watch Mando and Book of Boba Fett, you know they have... They don't have John Williams doing the music. They don't. They don't use the traditional Star Wars credits. Like they did both of those things here. They had John Williams score of the show. They had him do his, his own theme song. They had the traditional Star Wars credit font going here. Like I thought that was definitely a fun addition, Nick. Sort of was distinguishing from the two we've already gotten. Definitely, definitely. I, I'll be honest. I'm a little disappointed about the score thus far. It's, it just doesn't it doesn't really sound Star Warsy to me, even though it is. It just like I hear like it's it's almost like it's not loud enough or something. I guess maybe that's the point. I don't know, but I'm not, I haven't been crazy about the score, but I am very excited because I think both the episodes are great. And I think that 
the worst thing that can happen in the show is that it ends up being eh. And I don't think that's even that bad, considering what we've been through as Star Wars fans. I'm more than okay with that. Yeah, P, I think the music, I want to say, I feel like that was intentional by John Williams because we see Obi-Wan when we come to the show. Like, he's not in a good place. So we're not going to have this rah-rah music that we get for, like, Boba Fett or, like, this exciting action pacing from Mandalorian. I feel like it makes sense. It's a little, like, more subdued. Yeah, I think it's deliberate. I think we're going to probably ramp up the Star Wars likeliness of the music as more Star Wars things happen, right? I mean, yes, we are watching a Star Wars show, but if you watch these first two episodes, it's not the most Star Wars episodes that you could say you've watched, right? I think the last episode of Book of Boba Fett might have had more Star Wars-esque kind of a reality to it. I'm not saying that the finale is better than what's to come with Obi-Wan. However, it's a very defeated opening premiere, right? It's a very defeated, like, I don't want to do this kind of show um, when it comes to the main character. So I, I think it's deliberate. I think we might get a better score as the time goes on in the show. Absolutely. And Pete, when we turned it on here, they stole our idea. They did the Obi-Wan cut for the recap to let me know what was happening. It, they did. Think, the- think about how long ours was. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we spent all this time talking about it and they did theirs in what, two minutes, three minutes, four minutes. Yeah, they they uh, I think they did. They made the correct choice. You know, I was I was speaking with my girlfriend about it, who hasn't really seen a lot of Star Wars content. And I said, you know, maybe this is a perfect thing to get into. We can watch it. I can explain stuff. And I remembered I literally just have to put the first episode on and she'll see a recap of everything that comes up up until this Obi-Wan show. All the important parts, all the dynamics that you see within the episodes pop up right then and there. I think it was very smart to do. And I think it doesn't seem cheap. It doesn't seem like, oh, they're just, you know, it, it seems like a really, really good starting point. Yeah, Nick, this is not like the Marvel Studios Legends thing where it's just basically like video, like, like anybody on YouTube, man. I thought this was actually done pretty deliberately, pretty well. It was really, really good. I, I thought it was fantastic. And and the honestly, um, you know, we didn't need it. You know, we, you know what happened. But people needed it out there, and then and then when it ended, that opening scene was amazing also. Yeah, let's get to the opening scene here. We get the Inquisitors show up on Tatooine. We get to see uh, Reva. Sorry, sorry to Moses right for oh, Well, don't forget about the flashback, Mike. Oh, I forgot about the flashback. Good point. Good call. So we get we start off, I'm assuming this is young Reva in a flashback at the Jedi yeah. Temple during Order 66. And we see from her POV where Temple's under attack. The, the Jedi's training them, tries to help them out. She gets killed, and then... They all run, and P, of all our live-action Order 66s, I feel like this one is, like, very, very hard to top. I, I agree. I think the only way this could have gotten better is if we saw uh, Hayden Christensen playing a younger Darth Vader and he be in this scene. Um, but the the fact of the matter is, this is a great live-action Order 66. I think it portrays what we've been wanting to see in the Jedi Temple. Not so much that we want to see Carnage, but I feel like it was very mysterious what really happened in the Jedi temple. We only saw that one scene with, with Anakin and the younglings, this sheds a little bit more light as to what went down with the clone troopers and, and everything like that. So I really, really enjoyed this setup because it's nostalgic, but it also sets up what's to come with Reva possibly. Yeah. Nick, I mean, they didn't make it very subtle here. That basically this is young Reva running away from the, uh, from the carnage. Yeah. They didn't confirm it, but it's, I mean, we know. Yeah. We, we do know. And, yeah, I guess that shows. I want to. I want to be like, oh, that shows why she hates the Jedi. That doesn't make any sense. They were trying to defend her, so I don't know what it shows yet. But I know we'll. I'm confident that we'll learn. I have an idea of what uh, what it means having her there, and I'll bring that up at the end of part two. But 
great opening scene. Honestly, uh, it makes me feel like I love episode three. You guys know that. I like two and one also, but I feel like when you see something like this, it was executed so well that like it makes you think, what if the prequels were made with this kind of direction? Yeah. And writing. Yeah. Like that was that was done like so well. It looked so like awesome. It looked so real. Yeah. It did. And then we go from the flashback, we get the title card, then we go to present day. I think it says 10 years later on the card. And then we see basically the Inquisitor ship land on Tatooine. We see the Grand Inquisitor, the Fifth Brother, and Reva get off the ship. They are in pursuit of a Jedi who they heard was on Tatooine. We get the whole speech from Rupert Friend and his Grand Inquisitor and Pete. This speech, the way it was done, was so much better than the way it came off in the trailer. Absolutely. I think the empty space that they left in the beginning of the of, of him landing versus him having the conversation in, in that bar um, is perfect. I, I, I like that they gave that room to just see the character in the habitat, in the in the setting, in the environment. And then he starts making a speech. And it's you're right, a hell of a lot better than we saw in the trailer. Sometimes it's the other way around, which is very disappointing. But it was very, very intriguing to see what kind of dynamic the Grand Inquisitor had on that planet and also the, the scenes following that. Yeah, Nick, I know that you're not a big fan of Rupert Friends. Especially after he went on and said, I didn't watch any Rebels. I wanted to have my own take on the character. I thought he did a pretty good job here. He's fine. Um, definitely, I think, we'll never know. They'll never say it if it's true. If it's not true, they're not going to tell us. I think they heard fan backlash in March and digitally added yellow eyes to him. I think so because he looked. He looked. I still think he didn't look great, but he looks fine. He looks passable and like in the appearance. But uh, so Reva is obsessed with Obi Wan. Yeah. Uh, before we get to Why? that, before we get to that, you think this is a? Yeah. You think this is a Sonic the Hedgehog situation where the trailer got so much back? I do. They, they changed. They just changed I it. I do. Yeah. Now right. it's nearly nowhere near as much as they had to do for Sonic the Hedgehog. They had to redo the whole character. This was just add yellow here and here. Yeah. You know, to the eyes, but he look I, unless it was just a bad angle in the in the uh, trailer, but he looks a lot better. It doesn't look perfect, but he, he still looks bad, honestly, but he, he doesn't look horrible. Yeah, and you brought up a good point here in terms of Reba just being obsessed with Obi-Wan because they're hunting this Jedi. His name is Nari, and then he managed to escape, and Reva basically is like, basically the wild card of this group. She's like using her lightsaber to basically torture the guy by burning his arm and stuff like that, and then She's like, why are we after scraps? Like, I want the big dogs. And Grand Creature's like, like, Reva, chill. We haven't seen Kenobi in 10 years. Like, he's probably dead by now. And I do think Pete is fascinating that, like, that she basically, as we said in the second trailer, she's obsessed with getting Obi-Wan. Oh, yeah, 100%. And I just really quick, I just want to add to the Grand Inquisitor appearance. I, I don't know if there was this much backlash between Dooku and Clone Wars and Dooku in the, in the movies, but that was also very different. Um, granted human, human, you can just say, okay, that's the human adaptation. It's the same kind of species. And I don't know what the species is for the grand inquisitor. And there's a human trying to play it, but to me, it's not the end of the world. He looks okay. Right. I mean, it's not like, Oh, perfect. But I, digress. I have a theory about Riva and I don't know if you want to get into it right now, but Riva is obsessed with Obi-Wan. I think she holds Obi-Wan responsible for what happened in the Jedi temple. And I don't I know. Have a th- I have a theory as well. I don't know. Different. I don't know what that theory is. If he's the one, I think he's the one that sends the message. Like, it's not safe. Don't go leave everyone get out. And maybe she holds him accountable and says like, you sent all the Jedi away to not protect us. So I think maybe that's 
the theory, but I, I, I 100% think that Riva got into being an Inquisitor for one thing and one thing only. I need to get Obi-Wan back because he didn't protect us or he has just something against, you know, that sort of um, something against what was done at Order 66. And Nick, you want to get into your Riva theory real quick and then we'll guide more into our chat. Sure. I think she has an obsession with Obi-Wan because Vader has an obsession with Obi-Wan and she wants to impress her boss in a way. And like the one who brings Obi-Wan's head to Darth Vader, that's like the top, you know, that's like that's the, the greatest bounty there ever could be. And I think that how do I I can't say anything else because we don't know this until the second episode. Can I say something? I mean, does it doesn't really matter? Anyone's watching this and yeah, I mean you've, if you watch, I'm sure you watch both. I'm sure you're referencing the fact that she's the one who so, tells, yeah, tells Obi-Wan. She knows who she knows who Anakin is, and I think that's because he was in the temple when she was there. And I think that she witnesses is that is a he saved me type of thing. Because she was probably taken to be a Jedi against her will. Yeah. Interesting. And I do think. So I think she, she might worship Darth Vader because Darth Vader saved her from being a Jedi. Yeah. And also that in a combination of like, oh, like, you know, like I want a promotion. I want to climb up the, high, the food chain here. And the best way to do that is to get Obi-Wan. Yeah. But I, li- I like Pete's theory a lot. Yeah. I do I think do. An interesting theory here. We'll get to more on her in a minute. But I do think it's interesting here that like. Especially, like, we get a lot of, like, also, like, dialogue between her and the fifth brother in, in this episode as well, where the fifth brother is basically like, hey, chill. Like, you're a hothead. Like, we got this kind of under control here. And then, like, she does not want to go along with what the fifth brother's, like, uh, approach is here. I do think that's interesting as well, Pete. Absolutely. I think they don't take her seriously. And, and not for the sense that she can't do the job, but I think they know that she has a obsession or something with going after the top dogs here. Um and they just, it's kind of like the boy who cried wolf. It's like, yeah, we get it. You want to go after, but this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to clean up as many Jedi as we can. And if this Jedi is here, we're going to clean up that Jedi. You know, like it's, I, I just think that she's not taken seriously because she swings for the fences, if you will, when it comes to which Jedi she wants to get. Yeah, she wants the Grand Slam. She does not want to take the take the single that's there for her. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I think, again, I have more. We, we can talk about it later. I have more theories about Riva and we'll get into, it, especially with the, the posters that came out today. Um, but it, I, th- I think it's just, it's kind of like that. You're not bottom of the totem pole, right? Bottom of the food chain. She's not one of the top inquisitors. It doesn't seem like with the dynamic, the grand inquisitor is always putting her in her place kind of a thing. So it's kind of like, all right, go, go away. We're just going to do our job. You keep talking about that. Yeah. Go ahead. Obi Wan. We haven't seen him in 10 years. Yeah, absolutely. And, now goes, I think, one of my favorite sequences of the whole premiere is, like, we get the day in the life of Obi-Wan, where we get a long time of just, like, no dialogue from Ewan McGregor. We get to see him go through his life where he works as a meat packer. He's, like, shaving off a part of the meat to bring home to his... Jimmy. Yeah, he's bringing home a piece to feed, to feed his uh, transport animal. He's, like, riding the train back and forth. Like, he's very miserable. I do think it was a good, like start for the for them to sort of you know set him up just not let us hear from him and just sort of you know just let us absorb like what his life's become you know it's sad mike you said like he works he takes the train he goes back and forth and he's miserable you just described the life of most people yep that's what most people are and you think of it as that's miserable but it's cool to see nice to see that um i'll be honest i did not do this I know we're going to do this much later in the episode, our MVPs and LVPs, but at first I was going to give the LVP to his boss, <laughs> but that was the only scene he was in. So I didn't, Yeah. but that, that guy was awful. 
It was awful, awful. And everything just makes sense. Like, Kenobi has to do this stuff because he needs to blend in. He can't be a Jedi in front of people or else he'll get killed. Like that other Jedi did, we'll get to. And he has to use a blaster in most of the episodes because he can't use a lightsaber. He'll get figured out. He doesn't even have his lightsaber, we learn later on. Well, he has it, but it's, you know, not, not close to him. And it's it's it all makes sense and it's something that they haven't done anything yet in this show and i don't think they will that they've done a few things i think that break canon but they haven't done things that are detrimental to canon that really break canon where it's like that's unforgivable and i don't think they will which is great yeah i do also think pete we do get the shots of him like you know i thought him like like banter with the with the jaw was funny and we did also see like you know like he's had the nightmares about like all of his like regrets in life and then he wakes up tries to cut the qui-gon he can't do it i thought that was also a very very interesting scene 100 um you know we also kind of get what we've been talking about throughout this podcast is what is life like when you're not a jedi you know, we talk about strictly on Coruscant sometimes, but this is it right we see you know he's a meat packer he has his knife he cuts off a little piece he goes home He's, he's isolated. Um, we'll get into other things he does, you know, as like a side thing other than his daily routine. I, I, it's necessary, right? It's, it didn't seem boring. Like sometimes stuff like that, when you watch it, you're like, okay, we're watching this again. Like it, it, it's driving the point home that this man is isolated. He is not what he used to be and he can't be what he's used to be. And he's forced into this solidarity, um, this isolation, excuse me, where it, there's just, Nothing except for work, go home, sleep, go to work. Yeah. And keep an eye on Luke. And we saw, like, I know it's like an Easter egg, Nick, when you see his buyer for the parts from the Jala, he's basically buying the things to help Luke make the toy that he's playing with at the beginning of episode four when he's, like, giving C-3PO the oil bath. Oh, that was fun. I like that a lot. I'm afraid they're going to turn this into a Han Solo dice situation, though. <laughs> I don't want them to. But I don't know. Maybe they won't. It seems like it, well, it, was, it, seems like it was only a thing in that first episode, so they won't. But and I want to throw this out there, and I hate to do this because I don't want to talk about negatively and the sequels and stuff like that, but Obi-Wan was forced into isolation, right? Yeah. That's why he's acting the way he is. Um, Luke wasn't. That's it. Luke, That's all. Luke chose. Yeah. As far as also Obi-Wan here, we see that He's like goes. He keeps an eye on Luke. We see the footage in the trailer. And then on his way home, he gets run into by Nari, who's who's basically saying like, "Hey, I know you. You're Obi Wan." He's like, "Nah, I'm Ben." And he's like, oh, "Nari doesn't take no for an answer." He's like, "Yeah, I know you. You're you're Obi Wan. You're the Great Master. What are you doing out here?" And like we see you here, Nick. That basically like Obi Wan basically says, "You know what? Like, dude, it's over. We lost. Go live a simple life. Go bury your lightsaber. Just don't." get yourself involved in things and try and just survive. So I think it was another great point to check in here where Nari has hope and Obi-Wan does at this point. Yeah. Obi-Wan does not because it's been so long for him in isolation that it would happen to anybody. And I, I just, I could just see it coming where people say to me, well, Luke did the same thing, but I just said it before he chose to do that. It's completely different. Obi-Wan was forced into this, but it's very normal for someone to experience this kind of self-doubt when they've been by themselves for so long. And that's why he is. And it actually makes me wonder why the other Jedi wasn't like, what has he been doing for the last 10 years? It made him so like confident, like we could do this. Let's take him out. Like kind of thing. Like, no, you can't it's over. He lost. Like it's, it's, it's over. Um, 
I like the. I just really enjoy. Oh, I, didn't you find it weird that Luke just ran away and started playing on top of the house, and, and Uncle Owen's just screaming, "Luke, Luke! Like, where did he go? He's right there." Like, he's not, <laughs> I thought that was so weird. Yeah, I guess you got distracted talking to Aunt Peru, who only appears in the episode. We don't get any lines. Yeah, well, I actually don't know if we're gonna, because because the way they leave this off, I have no clue where they're going next. They might, we might not see them again. I mean, I'm sure he's gonna end up back on Tatooine. We may not see like much at the more. end. Yeah, 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 at the end. But we we might not really see them the rest of the show, except maybe the last episode or something like that. We don't know. We're like we're kind of going to unfamiliar waters now. Yeah, and P, any thoughts on Neri? Our uh, Jerry's gonna be killed in about ten minutes. Mike, you got to say that one more time. My audio went in and out. I'm sorry. Yeah, I say any thoughts on our Jedi friend Neri, who's who's about to die in 10 minutes. Honestly, it's I don't want to say he's filler, but I think it's important to show, hey, there's other Jedi that are like, you have to help. And Obi-Wan's like, no, get the hell away from me. It's, you know, like Nick said, it's over. Stop. Just live your life in isolation. Save yourself. Very selfish living. Right. Yeah, that was not of the jedi it was the way of help people and and keepers of the peace and all that kind of stuff now it's like worry about yourself get the hell away from me because you're gonna get us both killed yeah i do think it was more reaction because he's not far from from uh the large stay like homestead when he's there the moisture farm but i do think also interesting there and nick we get quite the heel turn here where we basically leave here and then we go to alteron which i never saw coming here we get young princess leia which i don't think any of us would have had outside of pete uh, immediately, the first thing I go, they change, and I go, "Why does this planet look familiar? Is that Alderaan?" Yeah. I go, "That's definitely Alderaan." And then they're, and then I'm like, "Oh my god!" And then I, I'm still freaked out by this. It's been almost, it's been 18 hours. What was the fake Leia that scared me so much? <laughs> definitely like one of her friends. That's just a different. That was terrifying. More... And then uh, yeah, we see her running around in the forest, right? And then we see, um. Um, Bale and his wife's name is Breha, I believe, was a yeah. different actress. I wanted to note. Yeah, I think she's like the only actress who was recasted. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the original uh, Brea was not like very active in the like. No, she's done nothing. Yeah, that's, that's all she's ever done. Yeah, because I mean, she was a big part, so it makes sense to get to get an actual actress in there to like actually yeah. play the character. But that was fun to see young Leia and I want to take a second here and try and look up who plays her in the show, but I know she's from uh bird box and Pete, this kid nails Leia. Absolutely. Uh, kills it. Absolutely kills it. I, I think they casted this, this young Leia perfectly. And I think she has the attitude to do it. Well, I mean, it's, just, it's, it's absurd how well this is now. I don't know if we're going to have any, young luke interactions but i really hope they cast it that well too because now it's like if if young leia is casting perfectly you got to do luke right you have you can't just like fall off with luke so i mean what a what a great job by the team to get that actress in there for for young leia and great job by the actress i mean she she does the part so well yeah vivian lyra blair is the actress who plays young leia and nick i did yeah she's good She's very good, and we do get, like, a lot of, like, her, like, trying to be adventurous and like, exploring with her little droid, and that was definitely a lot of fun, and we see, basically, like, the queen finds her and says, like, you know, you gotta come in with us, and she's like, I don't wanna be, like, 
like a normal like royal person i want to do fun things and you start to see like the personality that's going to drive one of the key leaders of the rebellion like forming here um so I, yeah definitely agree 100 percent. I, I just never understood something i i kind of get it but at the same time i don't she's princess leia impl implying royalty right yes. It's not King Bell. Yeah, I don't like the reason is they're the royal family of Alderaan. That's just what it is. Yeah. But like, why? And like, what does that mean? Like, do we, do we ever know anything about that? Like, princess and her mom's not referred to as the queen. She, I think her mom is the queen. I think in canon she is. I don't think she's referred to as the queen. And in episode three, Bale says the queen. I will adopt her. I could have sworn he said my wife and I. Or maybe he says the, the, the I know she's the queen of uh, Alderaan. She is, but like, does that make him the king of Alderaan? Maybe this is like, maybe this is a uh, queen with a situation where maybe he's like Prince Bale. Maybe. It just seems weird to me because it's like they say that, but like there's never any use for it. Like it didn't matter. You see what I'm getting at? Maybe being a senator is for, for, the, for the world is is like being the king and what do you call the senator's daughter in royalty like princess is the only thing to call, like we get like little senator like i don't even know what you would call it right so maybe that's the reasoning like they're not king or queen it's just because they're the royalty the only uh, logical thing to call the daughter's princess I, I don't know yeah and uh then who shows up i guess that's her family the wife side of the family yeah we'll get to that part yet. one note i'm here is that she is being watched. We'll find out who's watching her in a minute. We can go back to Tatooine, though. We have Obi-Wan. Did uh, you guys have any crazy theories when you saw the person watching her and who it may have been? Once in I your head? Once I saw we found, that, that, we found out about 10 minutes later, but what did you think? Once I saw it, I was like, damn it, there goes my Rex points because that's not going to, because I thought that was Rex on, on, uh, on Dayu. And then we see it's the same place. I'm like, they're, like, Rex is not going to be, a, like, spying on Leia. I, um, I thought for a second it was Boba Fett. <laughs> and I was like, "You gotta be kidding me!" Honestly. I really did, and I was also shocked we didn't see Grogu in the opening scene. <laughs> I really thought we were gonna see the answer to like how he survived in the opening scene. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll put a pin in the Leia stuff again. We'll go back to Uncle Owen and Obi Wan on Tatooine, and Owen just shows up, gives him back the stuff, and he basically says like, "Hey, you know, like stay away from us." And then Obi, Obi Wan's like, "It's a toy. Like, chill, dude." And he's like. They have this whole conversation. Obi Wan says, "You know, like if he's showing, which basically means he's showing the Force. Like we gotta train to be a Jedi." And then we get the whole like his father debate. Like you and I both know he's dead, but I want to protect Luke. Stay away from us. So I thought like it was nice to get the added context behind the viral, like beyond the viral burn that we got from the second trailer, Pete. Absolutely, and I think this is a great interaction between Obi Wan and, and Uncle O. Right? I think this is the epitome of their relationship um between the characters and i i don't know i think i think uncle o pretty puts puts obi-wan in his place a little bit i think i think it's kind of like hey you guys don't run stuff anymore get the hell out of here just stop like let the kid live his life don't bring any attention to him and then i i honestly have to give uncle o props for that i mean that, that's that's huge yeah Nick, any thoughts on uncle owens are uh, like basically dressing down obi-wan and saying like stay the hell away from my family i want to protect this kid He's just trying to keep Luke safe, which I know Obi-Wan is also, but 
He just said, basically saying, forget it. Like, you lost. And 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 to be honest with you, he probably didn't believe in the Jedi to begin with, even, like, during the prequel era, because he was in the Outer Rims. He probably didn't really, there was no interest in the Jedi. You know, that's, all that stuff is, like, folktale to him. It's just like, I, you don't need to stay away from him, stay away from my family, go somewhere else. You know, it sounds harsh, but drop dead. I don't care. You know what I'm saying? That's Owen saying, Toby Wan, basically, I don't like you don't care about you stay away from me stay away from my family and i don't necessarily blame him but knowing what luke skywalker becomes i guess you could blame him you but only because you look at it in hindsight yeah and then this is also i think right after this scene is when we see reva come back she's looking for jedi again because remember nary's still on the loose at this point she's up in the town with the fifth brother and they're looking for nary and then she basically starts going nuts like she chops off a woman's hand it says like nobody's telling us anything and then she basically tries to call out owen's like you know something and owen's like i don't give an ass about the jedi like they're, they're no good to, like they're useless to me and basically she threatens the whole square saying like you know like tell us where this jedi is or i'm gonna kill this owen and his family and then fifth brother steps in and says stop reba like we don't do this Here's some money. Like, if you find this guy, give us a tip. We'll give you some credit. So, again, the fifth brother Reva dynamic was fun here, Pete. Yeah, I mean, I I got to be honest. When I saw the Inquisitors, right, in Rebels, I didn't think they were like. I don't want to say that they were they were good guys, but like, I didn't think they would care if civilians were in the crossfire. Or they, I thought they would do whatever it takes to like get the Jedi. I didn't think, you know. The brother be like, yeah, we don't do this. Like, don't intimidate them. We need to find them on our own. Like, it was very out of character for me. Um, I found that very odd. I don't know if you guys did as well, but they're very goofy. Yeah, he that that Inquisitor is goofy. I have to say, but I think maybe that's the intention. He's maybe just brawn and not brains, kind of a thing. But to me, that dynamic was weird because I and I could have interpreted it wrong with Rebels because it was just mainly Inquisitors versus Jedi. I just didn't think that they would care about the civilians that much. Not sure, um, but maybe it was just like again a tactic to be like, hey, just stop obsessing about. Actually, actually, you know, Pete, I know exactly why. No, because by the time we get to rebels, the empire has basically dissolved the Senate. It's not fully done yet, but the empire has basically dissolved the Senate. They're in the midst of almost being done with the Death Star. They know they can just destroy anyone at will. At this point, it's still relatively close to after Revenge of the Sith, where they're they, yes, they're in they're a totalitarian government, but they don't. They don't own everything. They if they do wrong people, people can fight against them. Like it's not like it is when we meet them in the original trilogy when there's no fighting in the empire. That's fair. So so I mean that makes more sense than that. Thank you, Nick, for for making I heard I heard that somewhere recent like within the last 18 hours, and that's why they act like that. And I didn't think of that until the middle of the year. Oh no, it's all sense. But yeah, so other than that, I mean it, again, just obsession with Obi-Wan. And I I feel like Reva is gonna have a Kylo Ren complex pretty soon. I mean, I think she's pretty much there. <laughs> I'm, I'm seeing a Kylo Ren complex like massively coming soon. I see it too. Yeah, I also think it's interesting here in terms of like the whole like credit thing. I do think the we're keeping out appearances thing. It's like, hey, like we are like a hard ass effort. We're not complete assholes. I think that's sort of the talent that they're trying to take right now with this. And like, I also give Owen props here for not ratting out Obi Wan because I think as far as the here at the moment, like, hey, if I rat Obi Wan, then they'll start poking around more in case to see what Obi Wan's up to here, and that puts Luke in jeopardy. Um. Yeah, I have a big gripe with this scene. This is one of the biggest gripes I have. 
in the show thus far, but I don't want to speak about it yet. So I, I'm writing a note right now, and just wrote it. And at the end, I'm going to go back to all of these that I have. There are not many. There yeah. are not many. I have a big gripe with her and Owen and how he doesn't rap. I don't understand it. Something's not right about it, and I'm not happy about it, but it's not the end of the world. Yeah, Pete, did you have a problem with Owen not ratting out Obi-Wan? Obi-Wan's really just hiding in the corner over there where he can say, oh, look, Jedi's over there. Go get him. No. I do and I don't. I do because he has this attitude to him. It's like, I don't care if you live or die. Just stay the hell away from us, right? So it makes sense to be like, yeah, end this now. I don't care. He's right there. But I also kind of feel like he's not out to get anyone killed in general so maybe he's just like it's none of my business to tell you where he is so i'm not gonna offer him up right it's like if you find him and he dies i don't care but i'm not gonna be the one to be like yeah he's right over there maybe it's like one of those deals you know man to man like obi-wan asked him to take care and he knows he's in trouble and he's like listen stay away from him but i'm not gonna actively get you killed kind of a thing yes so he's not gonna snitch right yeah i, I think that's the purpose of it i it's weird. I don't want to say it's weird. I actually really like that the dynamic is they just had this conversation and now Owen's faced with this decision. I think that's really cool. I think it's more of like, I'm not going to stitch on you, but I really wouldn't care if you disappeared tomorrow, you know? Yeah, it makes some sense. All right, let's go ahead and we'll go back to Alderaan. We get the Organa like, like parade and party and then we see all like the family members are there. We get like I mean, Nick, I got to say, the Royals at Alderaan are kind of douches. Yeah, that's what you'd expect, no? Yeah. I mean, like... Got- you see you see Bale saying, well, we've gotten somewhere, you know what I mean? Like, with this stuff, we still need to worry about slavery and this and that. The other guy's like, I don't care about slavery. I'm here for your food. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Literally. Nick, yeah. Like- and his son, too. Oh, oh, his son. Yeah, the son is, like, literally a, a, a turd because Leia gets, like, a snack, and she's like, thanks to the droids. like... You thank your Troy. Don't talk down to. Don't be nice to people who are lower than you in the food chain. And she's like, "Why not?" And he's like, he's like and then he turns that into, "Well, you're not an alt. You're not an organ." And basically, starts telling her, I'm "Like, what is this kid's problem?" Yeah, it's. It seems like classic, you know, sibling or cousin like rivalry. But then also, it seems like. Um, it just seems like there's a little more like like rich snobby at the same time. So like rich snobby and sibling rivalry combine into one. And if that's what you get and that guy, you know, kid kind of sucks. You guys ever seen the movie um, school of rock? Uh, I have with Jack black. Yeah. You know, the kid who plays guitar in the movie, his name is Zach in the movie. Yeah. Obviously it's not him. That movie was like 20 years old. It looks just like him now. <laughs> Can't be him though, because that kid's got to be like our age now. The one he's well, our age the whole time, I guess. Maybe, but, maybe his son. <laughs> probably not, but it looks just like him. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I do think it was fun because this is a good moment where like the Organas hear Leia like basically like talking smack to her cousin and like basically laying out why he's wrong, and then she, we have this whole thing where they're like, "Oh, you know, like we know he's wrong. But you can't do that. You have to apologize to him." And we get this heart to heart afterwards between Bale and Leia about like. How Bale's like, oh, you gotta be a senator one day. He's like, I don't want to be a senator, and he's like, that's why you're gonna be good at it, and like, that's like, you have the qualities that are gonna make this galaxy great. I thought that was a very fun moment. We never really get the Bale Leia relationship because obviously, like, she's a baby in three, and he's he dies off screen in four. So I thought it was fun to get that here, Pete. Absolutely, I think that dynamic's great, and I think that it shows how close they are or work or whatever you want to put it. 
Um, and I, I like to see that that bail kind of has her back on, you know, going after, I think it was his family or was it her family? I can't, I can't remember. Right. So it it was kind of nice to see like, Hey, like you're right. Like that wasn't, that wasn't right. So, but you gotta go to apologize still. It's kind of still like, Hey, you know, you don't be rude to people, but you're not wrong for thinking that. Um, so it was cool. It was a cool dynamic. It was Nick. Did you like that at all? Of course I did. I did. It was, you know, like he's at, Baby in episode three dies in four. You don't see him, and in Rogue One we see him. We don't see her. We see her at the end, but not, not together. Yeah. So there you go. They, we never saw them on screen together except when she's a baby. That's blasphemy. Yeah, it is. And then we see her go out to play again, and she basically gets kidnapped by three bounty hunters. And Nick, how was it? Mike, you- we got the we got a worse chase scene than we did in Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> you want the Cyberpunk kids to come back? Yes, that was. This was only lasted about what two minutes, ninety seconds, two yeah. minutes. That was the worst two minutes of television I've seen in a long time. I was gonna, I wasn't even getting to that yet. I was gonna say like, how does it take you out of this when we turn around and flee is one of the bad guys? That was odd, very <laughs> odd. And honestly, like I like you know, I mean I don't really know him as a person. I never, I never heard him even speak outside of this, but I like him as a musician. But I'm really getting a little tired of like everyone and everyone getting a cameo in Star Wars. Yeah, Pete, what was more like off-putting, Thundercat and Boba Fett or Flea here? I don't know. I, I, I this this scene was rough. I, I got to be honest. I don't know. Obviously, you probably can't find like a stunt kid for a chase scene, so she was probably doing her best as the actress. But don't make it a chase scene. Right. Like you don't need that 90 seconds if you know that, let's say, the actress can't run really fast to make the actors that are the bounty hunters can't catch her. Right. If you're going to kidnap her, you kidnap her. and That's it. I I don't. There's no negative impact on her character by taking her right away. Correct. I mean, there's it's not like, uh, yes, you want to show that Leia's putting up a fight, but you you show that in episode two. You, You don't need that 60 to 90 second slow ass chase scene and and again i think it's because of the limitations of the actress you can't get again you, i don't think you can get a stunt kid to come in and run faster than adults through the woods i, I just don't think it looks correct so i understand what they were probably trying to go for but the same effect happens if you just kidnap her if she runs for a little bit and you get her and then the show continues i don't i don't think that chase scene's necessary all right anyway so Flea and his and his goons grab Leia. They they escape. They reach out to our our good friend Obi Wan Kenobi for help. And Bail reads out to him. Obi Wan says, "No, I have my own mission here." And basically, Bail gets very annoyed about this. We'll see more from Bail in a minute. But Nick, were you surprised in the moment when he says no right away? No, I was happy. He did. It made sense. He's his obligation. He has two things that he has to do. Three things that he has to do on Tatooine. Number one, watch Luke. Number two, get in touch with Qui-Gon, which my opinion is I don't think he ever has yet. Yeah, I think he will by the end of the show, but I don't think he has yet. And number three, stay alive. That's it. That's all you're supposed to do from Yoda. That's his final mission, if you will. And the number one thing on that list is watch over Luke. So in my opinion, do you hear that? No, I can't. I can't leave. I do think it was interesting, Pete, that like the option here was after this, we'll get we'll get back to more of the tattoo stuff in a second, but the option was not, 
hey, like, all we want to know, let's call Yoda on Dagobah and see what he's up to. It's more like, otherwise, if that happens, obviously there's no show. But, like, I thought it was interesting that, like, the call here after that was, oh, like, I'm going to go in person and go, like, try and, like, whip some sense into Obi-Wan. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm uh, I'm pretty, I don't want to say shocked, but I didn't expect him to just be there. You know, it, it, like how, first of all, how did he know where Obi-Wan was unless Obi-Wan gave him that information prior? But, I, yeah, I mean, I think that's what got Obi-Wan to say yes. I, it was a strict no over the... Uh, the um, hologram, the holographic telephone, whatever it is. I don't know the type of term for it. Um, but a little shocked that he was just there. Yeah. I, I don't know how he figured that out, but. When he came home, Obi-Wan, there's like a red thing that signifies someone was in there, right? Yeah, it's, it's, droid. I, it's droid doorbell. Yeah. Yeah. So do you see a masked fi- or a hooded figure standing there? Who did you guys think it was? For the split second until he turned around. I thought it was that Nary guy again. I thought it was going to be Ahsoka. And I was going to get mad. And I was happy <laughs> it wasn't. I thought it was going to be Ahsoka. I thought we were going to see Grogu in the beginning. I still think we we're going to see Mando at some point. I, I'm happy that they're not doing this stuff. I'm really thrilled, honestly. Yeah, and, and then speaking of Mr. Nary, like he gets killed right before Bale shows up here. So I think that, in combination with Bale basically browbeating Obi-Wan, saying, like, hey, you know, like, I need your help, like... Like Obi Wan says, like, oh, like this is Luke, and he's like, you're being selfish. He's like, you can still make a difference. You can help my daughter, and like, she's just as much as one of Anakin's kids as Luke is. I think that was, and and he pushes him over the line. Pete says, okay, I'll go help you. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm glad they had to push him to do it. I think if it was just a simple, yep, okay, it just would have broken the whole, you know, thirty minutes we watched to 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 get to that point, you know, so I, I'm glad that it, it took a lot of convincing. It did. And, and then we see he goes, he digs up his lightsaber. He gets on the transport to leave. We get the end of the episode. We see that flea and his crew are transporting Leia to the planet. Dayu. They get a transmission. Reva has decided that her, her plan here is we're going to hire flea to kidnap, uh, bail Organa's daughter because Obi-Wan is friends with bail. I'll pull Obi-Wan out. On its surface, it's not a bad plan. No, I agree with her, honestly. Like, they're, the, the Jedi, she thinks Obi-Wan's on the planet, right? Yeah. And they're all looking for Obi-Wan, like... She doesn't know he's on the planet, though. She thinks he's around. Right. Let's get it done. Like, let's get it done. Let's do it. These other Inquisitors are like, no, we can't. Like, what do you mean, no? This is a Jedi, one of the, probably the last member, besides Yoda, of the Council, who's still alive. All the other members of the Council, like, there's some Jedi out there, but the last, the Council members are all gone. They They definitely think Yoda's dead. They have no idea Yoda's alive. Yeah, they, they assume Palpatine so, killed like, Yoda. Yeah, so where is he? Let's yeah. get him. Let's get him. And honestly, I am very, very happy because one thing that was on my mind that I said, you can't ruin this in this show is, first off, I, this is some things with the Anakin Obi-Wan thing I don't want ruined, which we haven't gotten to that stuff yet. But one thing is Obi-Wan's going to leave Tatooine in the show. We knew that from the trailer you need to give him a damn good reason to leave. And I think they came up with the best reasons they possibly could. So what would possibly make him leave and stop protecting Luke to start protecting Leia? I don't think there's anything better. Yeah, I agree with that. And that sort of brings us into part two. And we go out into, we get to Dayu and Pete, what'd you go about this planet? 
I mean, I, I like it. I think it's fine. I mean, it's it's um very city esque. Um, I mean, I, I thought it was cool. I don't know if there's anything like other than that that I can say about it, though. Very, very grimy. Yeah, it was. Very- I feel like forget the griminess. Just so I know people, some some of our audience may be from this city, so I don't want to speak negatively upon this city. But if Coruscant is New York, um, that you reminds me of Boston, not because of the griminess in any way. I mean, in terms of like when you go to New York City. The buildings are like so high in the air, the skyscraper. But when you go to Boston, not to say there aren't skyscrapers, but most of Boston is like mid-level buildings and like mid-rise. It's like a city still, but the, the buildings are nowhere near as high as they are in Manhattan. Yeah. And I feel like that's what I felt like about this place. It's almost like a Coruscant Junior. I can see that. I did, I did think it was fun with CDR there. And we see that Obi-Wan gets on the planet and like he's being approached by like this like pink-haired girl. He's like, I got all your spices here. I got like Coruscant brand. I got this other brand. I'm like, Nick, like we got our spice drugs. Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't go. You do not want to sell me death sticks like that. Yeah, you know, I guess he couldn't Please. give it away. He's a Jedi. Well, he also we find out later in this episode he hasn't used the Force in some time, which is another thing that makes sense. Like it's not just like oh he doesn't use it because he's given up. No, he doesn't use it because if he uses it, they can sniff him out. Yeah, people can know oh the Force was used over there. Like they. They have that sense. So he can't do that. Yeah. And P, how cool was it that we got the cameo of Tim Morrison as the hard-as-luck clone trooper basically asking for credits to survive? I would like to know which clone trooper that is. I mean, is yeah, maybe it, it's one we know. X. Well, it's not. I'm sure it's... I, I'm sure I, that I, feel like it, I feel like it can be anybody who's not Rex and Cody or any of the other guys who were on the ship with Rex in Rebels. Oh, fair. There. I know it, it can be. I just think it won't be. It can be any of those characters, though. Yeah, I think I think they said in the credits that it was unnamed clone trooper. There. So, yeah, it's pr- probably a character we don't know, but you could make it. What was the guy's name? Wolf. You make it Wolf. You make it Gregor. Oh, those guys. Yeah. Some of those randos that you haven't seen in a little but bit. You can't make it a. Can you make it a bad batch guy? I don't think you can. The armor does. They, they got rid of their armor, right? They don't have original clone armor. Yeah, it makes some sense. But I want to say also the next thing here of is that we have, we go to, we find a kid there. Kid's like, hey, you looking for help? I got a Jedi. And then we see that. We go meet uh, Johnny's character, Haja, who basically is using, like, tricks and magnets to close windows and basically swindle people out of money <laughs> there. And we see, oh, we want to just sit in the car like, this little, like, this little effort is, like, screwing these people. And he basically comes out right away. And Pete's like, you're full of shit. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I think it was great. I actually like the character a lot. I think it's... uh. I think we needed someone who was trying to pretend to be a Jedi, right? I feel like we haven't run into that yet or from my recollection. And it's just, it's, uh, I, I think it's great. I think it's funny. And I think it, it adds to the show, the depth of the show too. Yeah. Nick, what do you think about Haja? I love him. I think he's a great actor. He's really funny. He's great. He's funny in the Eternals. One of the bright spots of that movie. And he's funny in this. He's really good. I enjoy the character. I enjoy the actor. And I, and just yeah, like you said, it's 
something that you're shocked we haven't seen before. Someone pretending to be a Jedi, right? Like everywhere you go, you go, you get like honestly everywhere you go. First of all, obviously in like Galaxy's Edge and like Disney World, but everywhere you go, when you step in front of the door to walk into Coles and it opens. Everyone in their life at some point has done this and pretend they're a Jedi in front of that door. We've never seen it actually in Star Wars, though. I mean, Ewan McGregor said he does that at Supermarket, where he like, puts his hand in front of the door and pretends to move the doors open. Yeah, and we haven't seen that happen in Star Wars, but we see it all the time in real life. Yeah, absolutely. I also think it was fun here that Pete... I was not so not expecting here. Number one most shocking thing for me was Flea. Number two is back. we basically got Star Wars Breaking Bad for about five minutes. That's fine. I mean, it is what it is. Um, I'm I'm okay with it. I'm not terribly upset about that. I thought it was funny though, Nate. I was just hoping that like Brian Cranston show up somewhere and just be like in the background cameoing. Yeah, it was another thing that you know. It's it's clearly I guess it's their equivalent of meth, right? Well, I mean, like I guess they so. have to have it, right? Like it's a, it's a fully fleshed society. They have to have that stuff, so it's nice to see it. Instead of seeing the same things over and over that we see in Star Wars, which is why I'm so excited for Endor. Same idea. Something that we haven't seen before, but we know is out there. Yeah, absolutely. So he's going through the meth lab. He ends up find, like looking for Leia. And I thought it was good that the flea crew gets to jump on him. Because, again, short shows, he's so out of practice. Like, he's, you know, has to take a minute to sort of kick back in, Pete, to, like, what, like, helps him be a good fighter. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think that's a fair point to make on screen too. I think you need to see him take a couple hits. So um, I, I, I think what they did really well in these two episodes is make sure the continuity is, is created of Obi-Wan's out of touch a little bit. We need to get him back into it gradually. Yeah. Nick, what'd you think of Obi-Wan like running into trouble, like right away? No, it makes sense. Like he hasn't been able to fight. He hasn't able to do anything. Makes perfect sense. So no issues with it at all. Uh, it was it was cool to see, honestly. It was, and he finds Leia, and while that's going on, the Inquisitors show up, and basically, they're like, what are you doing, Reva? Like, you abducted a senator's child? Like, what is wrong with you? And she basically says, like, you know, like, Kenobi's here, it worked, and then they basically order the planet locked down here. That was interesting, again, that the Inquisitors are basically, like, questioning Reva's methods, and as soon as Reva says, oh, I actually got him out here. She says, you know what, like, we got this. Go sit in the corner. We'll finish the job now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I get the impression that the fifth brother is, like, a superior to her. Yeah, I would assume. Like, he's probably been but in the I, longer. But I get the impression that the seventh sister is a... Not the opposite. I feel like she's the seventh she's, sister's... Yeah. I think she was the... Boss. She was the fourth sister, I think, that they said. That Which they one? That, that other girl? Yeah, the other girl they said was the fourth sister. Fourth sister? Yeah. Uh, seven sisters from Rebels, never mind. Yeah. But yeah, that one. I feel like uh, Reva is her boss. So that, that's the kind of uh, that is the kind of vibe I get there. But I find it interesting that she just keeps going against authority. Like the Randaquizard is definitely her boss, right? Yeah. And he's going and he's going. She's going right against him and everything that he says. But to be honest with you, I I see both sides because I agree with her. Like I said earlier, just did you see the guy there? Get him. But I agree with him because of what I said earlier. Also, the Empire's not like in like invincible right now. If they mess up badly, people could, you know, really riot against them. And they're not, they're not 
they're not all powerful yet where they have death stars and and you know no senate where palpatine can do whatever he wants like he could still lose a lot of power yeah and p i thought it was fun also that reva says you know what fine like you're gonna put me in the corner i'm gonna just sick the bounty hunters on him and she basically puts the call out to put the bounty Obi-Wan said we see basically every other person in this planet's a bounty hunter and they all get the signal at once. I saw it was a missed opportunity that we have so many notorious bounty hunters in Star Wars and none of them happen to be on this planet at this time. It, I don't know if it's a missed opportunity or maybe they'll be coming later. Um, you know, that transmission may have went to other planets too. So we, we might see a Boba Fett show up. We might see, um, you know, other, other you know, Bosks, so, so just a couple of different people that may just show from off world, right? Uh, I don't know if it was a missed opportunity or if they try a tricky and say, Oh, we're not going to have those bounty hunters in here. And then all of a sudden, boom, they're there. Um, so I'll wait and see. Yeah. I'm, I'm almost happy that we didn't get some of them. Cause like as much as I'd love to see Cad Bane, do you want to see Cad Bane just in the background on one episode? And that's it. Like I'd rather not see him. Yeah. I like to see him show up in the background for a little bit. Yeah. As I was fun, this episode was also got a lot of like, Leia and Obi-Wan bonding and like Leia is trying to figure like you're a Jedi why can't you make me float like if you're a Jedi like why don't you have a lightsaber and why don't you do this why don't you do that and Obi-Wan basically sort of dealing with the fact that like he's like he is it the same person he was and then like he has to try and like get her to go along with him and then there's one point where like she gets freaked out she's the bounty hunter logo and realizes the things that Obi-Wan's in on the plot to kidnap her she runs away Obi-Wan ends up coming through at the end to save her when she's falling off a building and that point she's bonded to him I do think the wit and interaction we had there, especially when we see, like, he's trying to say, hey, you're my daughter in this situation, and she's going to the market, like, I want to wear this. And she's like, he's like, no, like, get something that's not as flashy. And she ends up, like, reading them, but then taking the gloves anyway. I thought that was funny. It was. It was. Um, same, like, situation here when Leia's running away from him. It's, like, the same the fighting they don't need to add these chase teams especially in the first episode like the episode was already 56 minutes including credits and recaps and all that would it really kill it if it was 54 and they just grabbed her instead yeah. i don't think so but yeah. this one i guess they have to show that he has to earn her trust i guess and and, and i'm sure you guys have thought of this but if you haven't you're about to this is the third show now the third out of four shows where our main character is tasked with protecting a younger individual who cannot defend themselves. Yep. We've had four shows on Disney plus, including the bad batch and three of them have been about that. Let's look at the worst of the bunch is Boba Fett where that's not the plot point. And, and that'll, yeah, that's not, that's just true. And, Boba, and that even happens in that one because Grogu and Mando are in it. So every show <laughs> so far has been about, Someone defending someone who can't defend themselves. Most, you know, in particular, a kid. P. I guess you know what Jude Law is up to in Skeleton Crew. Then. Yep. Yeah, I. It seems to be the, the cookie cutter, kind of theme now with Disney Star Wars shows, and uh, I, I don't mind it in this one. This one's I like it, but I, I, but, but Nick's right. It's like every every show has been, pretty much that. Yeah, I did think it was fun. Also, I think. We also see, I think, we'll skip ahead a little bit for this, but, like, we see basically where, like, Leia is, like, talking about, like, some big game or whatever, and Obi-Wan's like, you remind me a lot of someone I used to know, and, like, she was very brave and so on and so forth, and nice to give Padme a shout-out, as much as the internet likes to claim it's Satine, like, come on, guys, like, 
they, they did not even mention the Clone Wars during their uh, Obi-Wan cut at the beginning of the premiere. Like, they are not going to go for the effort into Sabine, Satine here. It's going to be uh, Padme, the reference. So, Mike, I, for the record, completely agree with you. I think there is a 99.99% chance you are right, and I feel the same way. But the only thing that's making me say, all right, it's possible that it was Satine, was that in the, what the Disney told you to watch thing. You remember that? Yeah. They told us to watch the Satine episodes. I still don't think it's her, but it is interesting that they told us to watch those. That's all. It is interesting, but at the same time, Pete, this is Padme's daughter, and she's behaving like Padme's. The yeah, 100%, 100%. Yeah, no, I, I agree. But I have to say, the first person I thought of was Duchess Satine. It, Padme didn't even cross my mind at first. And then, then like, two seconds later, it clicked. Was, oh, yeah, obviously Padme. It was very, it was a very weird, like, natural thing to think of Duchess Satine. Um, but I, if you're talking to Leia, it, it's got to be Padme. I don't, I don't know how Obi-Wan doesn't make that correlation. But, it, but again, like Nick said, one of the arcs that Disney said to watch was the Duchess Satine arc. So I don't, I don't know. There's, there is, I guess, a slim possibility that he is talking about her. Absolutely. And then we see that he ends up get, meeting up with Haja again. And Haja says, you know what? Like, I'm going to help you escape. Cause this is after the Grand Quizzer locks down all the ports. Like I have a cargo ship up there. Go over there. I'm going to send you on my way. You're going to, you're going to hide some people. And then he says, I'm going to create a version. So he runs, goes, runs the Reva. This is the shot we see in the, trailer where we think it's Obi-Wan it's actually him he's like I'm a Jedi and she's like no you're not I just I thought that was just so funny he's like trying to sell and she's like yeah you're full of shit I thought that was very funny what do you think um because the ending of the episode leaves it open-ended do you think Obi-Wan is walking into a trap set up by him or do you think he was truthful in helping him escape I think he was truthful I do too because I mean he said it himself he said like yeah, I want to make some credits, but like, and generally I'm trying to help people. Like he did help the mom and her kid get off world. I feel like he sort of saw like once he was that, or I was trying to rescue this kid. He's like, I'm going to help this kid get off the planet. I agree. I agree. I agree. And I guess, but after that is when we go up to the, uh, like, I guess you call it the docking bay, right? Yeah, we go to the docking bay, and at this point, Reva has figured out where he is. She just extracts the information from Haja. She goes up to confront them. The Grand Inquisitor shows up and basically again calls Reva out. Reva then stabs the Grand Inquisitor right in the gut with her lightsaber. Is he dead, Pete? No, I don't think so. Uh, and and Nick brought up a good point, and I'll let him bring it up. But but there's I. 99.9% sure that he is alive. Because Nick, this also breaks canon if he actually dies, unless you're claiming Rupert Friends playing a very different character. Yeah, you're either you have, you have a few choices here. You either break canon completely and declare that your own television show, a first, Disney show, the first Rebels, one. Is, is not canon, the first one, which there's no way they would do that. Or, it's a different person altogether. Or, option three, he's probably just not dead. Considering Mole got cut in half and lived 10 years later, you know, considering it is true that when you have some sort of dark side um, force, he's not necessarily a Sith, the Inquisitors. They're just more of dark side force users like Snoke and Kylo are not necessarily Siths, Sith, but they were dark side force users. They have some sort of ability to survive wounds, which is in true in canon, which is how Mole survived. Which is why oh Qui-Gon Jinn did not. The same stab happened to Qui-Gon that happened to the Inquisitor right now. Qui-Gon died, 
led to believe he's not. But the main reason behind all of this, that I don't think he's dead, is we still have scenes in the trailer that he's in that haven't happened yet. Yes, unless you can, let's say it's a flashback to the meeting at the uh, Inquisitor base. He's he's there. He's probably pissed off, but he's right. there. And now, actually, there is a decent, I don't want to say a decent chance that this is a flashback, but I, I got to say, I thought about this the other day. In Fallen Order, that base gets destroyed. Yeah. Fallen Order takes place before this. This is not destroyed. Either it's a flashback or they rebuilt it. I'd say probably rebuilt it. Probably, yeah, but. Maybe it's possible that he's dead and they're going to completely retcon Rebels, which, you know, people will say all the time, retcon the sequels or do this, do that. And then they say, oh, we're going to retcon and then they retcon Rebels that no one asked them to retcon at all. It would be kind of, it would be kind of funny. I would say, though, this is this franchise where not only did uh, Darth Maul survive getting cut in half, Boa Fett survived the Sarlacc pit, Darth Vader himself survived getting three limbs chopped off, uh, Cobb Vance survived... Uh, Whatever happened in from Cad Bane, Fennec survived. I mean, basically another shot to the gut for Cybernetic. So I think for sure that like they're going to save him somehow. And I think this was just a plot device to get him off the screen for a little bit so that Reva can be pursuing Obi-Wan unimpeded. It's a possibility, but I also like the idea that he's just a different character. I mean, Grand Inquisitor is the position, not the person's name. So that could also maybe try to smooth the edges on, well, he doesn't look like the Grand Inquisitor from Rebels. So I maybe a different Grand Inquisitor comes in. I don't I don't know because they got promoted to Grand Inquisitor after that guy died. I don't know. So I there's a lot of possibilities that he could be dead and they just promote another Grand Inquisitor from the same species um, or he's alive and they're just giving some time for Rita to breathe without that character. Yeah, I also don't think you're releasing... The, they have released the posters of, like, a bunch of characters today. Like, they released one of him. I don't think you're going to do that if he's not if he's completely off the show after this. That is also fair. So, I'm actually... Uh, forgive me for not having my full attention at this moment. But what I'm doing is, right now, I'm going and looking at both trailers that came out, and I'm wrong. He's not in either of the scenes that they show in that base. Meaning, there is a more realistic possibility than I thought five minutes ago, that he actually might be dead. I think it's possible. Like, I think it's crazy that they kill him. It makes no sense, and people have survived far worse, like you said. But, I mean, it, possible. I don't think so, though. I don't think so. I think I'll be, I would think it's just, keep, like you said, keep him out of the picture kind of thing. Yeah, I don't think you cast an actor as talented Rupert Friends for two episodes and kill him. Right, so I would like to go with my big gripe now because it makes sense now from the first episode. Okay. Reva uh, has a confrontation with Uncle Owen and Owen is very, very and I guess you could say nice to Obi-Wan, right, for not saying yeah. where he is or who he is. Yeah. Reva clearly has the ability to read minds and she's done it countless times in the show now and she sends Obi-Wan in that moment. Why would she not read Owen's mind and be like, oh, he's right there. I, guess, I don't really get that. I guess the kind of theory is maybe Owen has a stronger mind than Haja does. Maybe, but I don't think that the reading of minds has to do with the strength of the mind. I think what you're thinking of the Jedi mind trick. I feel like Owen, like, though, like, I feel like he's got, like... Because she read Obi-Wan's mind. Yeah. Like, you tell me Uncle Owen has a stronger mind than Obi-Wan now? I don't don't think it made sense. That's okay. It's all right. Not every single thing in the show needs to be perfect. It's okay for one thing to not make sense. Minor plot hole, Pete. 
I mean, doesn't Riva say to Owen, like, you know where he is? Doesn't doesn't she say that to him? Mm-hmm. But she doesn't use her powers to think of it, like to think what he's thinking, which is which doesn't make sense to me. So so all right. So with Haja, right? She just knew that Haja knew where he was, and then he she tortured him into to saying it. Or as I can't remember, it was a little foggy because it was late last night. Or does she figure it out just by reading his mind? It looks like more of a mind read. So. It's a possibility because she was alone and out in front of the Inquisitors that she did that. Maybe she just didn't do that with O because Uncle O probably would have showed signs of being his mind read, right? Because you're probably drained after that. Yeah. And she want to make that kind of scene in front of the people and the Inquisitors, the other Inquisitors. But she did say, like, you know exactly where he is. And if you don't tell us, we're just going to kill you. If for her, I just don't understand. If it was another Inquisitor saying that, like, maybe, like, the, the the fifth brother being like, I'm not going to do this. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to do this kind of thing. Let, I, then I would get it. But with her, I don't get it. And and it's not, it's not detrimental. Like it really doesn't, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. I don't think it is either, but we'll go ahead now. Anyway, she gets to the cargo area and like the grand quizzers are scratching a lot. They want to get on the ship on un, unimpeded. And like, she basically shouts out to him, like Anakin's alive. And I think this is tremendous act. I think by Ewan McGregor, Pete, where like, his face, like, he looks just, like, frozen in horror when he realizes that, like, he didn't actually kill Anakin. Anakin is still alive and destroying the galaxy. I thought that was a great, like, moment. Oh, absolutely. I think um, that realization is definitely a turning point for the series. And it comes early, right? Again, by by Wednesday, we'll have half the series, right? But um, it's definitely a turning point. And he does a phenomenal job. Uh, Ewan McGregor does a phenomenal job at acting that emotion. Yeah, and this is a great way they end this, the episode, Nick. It's like we see Ewan McGregor's facing us on the transport. Then we cut to Vader in the back of the tank with the, like, breathing mask on and, like, the like the yellow eyes of Hayden Christensen in the role. And, like, that was, and that's how you end the episode. That was a great way to get you amped up for more. I did, too. I think I predicted that. Yeah. If I didn't say it here, I know I did elsewhere, but. You, you didn't say I, that in your pre- official prediction here. Ah, it stinks. But I knew he was going to show up at the end, like the last minute, like some sort of Vader presence. But I, the other gripe I have is how does Riva know that Anakin is Vader? No one's supposed to know that. Not even Tarkin knew that. Yeah, that was my other question. Is like, how does she know this? My guess, she saw him at the Jedi Temple. That's why we got the Order 66 flashback. But I don't know. Could could be something else. But I, I'm not going to, like, all right, the first gripe that I had is a legit gripe. I'm not happy about it. It's not a big deal. I have this one. I'm not having that either. It's a big deal, but they still have time to explain it, and that can make it make sense. So I, we can't really bash it until we finish with the show. For that sense, for that, I mean, for this um, right that I have, like, let's see it play out. Maybe it gets answered. If it doesn't get answered, then I can bring this back up and be like, "All right, how does she know?" And they could be like, "Yeah, like, how do you? How, oh, she he could easily. Oh, one could easily say to her, "How do you know this?" And she could be like, "You know." Save the temple. Obi Wan, Obi Wan, know who they are. That's the other thing I would think about. Like the Inquisitors are all fallen Jedi. Yeah, they're all. None of them are kids. There's no fallen. There's no kids Inquisitors. So they're all adults, meaning they were all around. They must have been part of the Jedi Order ten years ago. You think Obi Wan knows who they are? Probably. Interesting, because I know. Well, she was she was a kid at the time, but the other ones like. The Grand Inquisitor, and well, the Grand Inquisitor we've learned is in um, Clone Wars. Clone Wars, right? 
like the fifth brother. Like, I wonder what he, you know, was he in? Was he a Jedi? I'm sure he was. Let's, it'd be interesting to know. Also, I think the thing that bothers me about this a little bit, Pease also is like, she knows the Grand Inquisitor doesn't. Maybe he does, and he's just not saying anything. I mean, it's, I don't think, has anyone asked the Inquisitors who is Darth Vader? What's his identity? I mean, maybe, maybe even though they're not supposed to know who he is, maybe after years of working with the dude, you find out, right? Like, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what the answer is, but I also don't think it's, I don't think it's so terribly. I mean, look, Vader tells Luke in the original series, I'm your father. So obviously he's a Skywalker, right? I mean, it's so I'm sure the conversation comes up some point, even though he considers Anakin Skywalker to be dead, right? Uh, it's not so far-fetched that people know he's Anakin. But I, I think it's been established in prior canon that no one knows. So then they're... So then they're Except they're, um, Palpatine. And maybe Tarkin? I don't think so, though. I'm pretty sure Tarkin doesn't know. Yeah, I mean, may, maybe she knows from, like you said, the, the Jedi Temple. That's maybe. what I'm thinking. That's what I'm leaning towards. And, and they can explain it, and it can make sense. And if it does, no problem. But as of now... It doesn't make sense, but we have four more episodes to go. Yeah, and before we go into our like uh, post episode stuff here, I want to throw an interesting point here that Pete brought up here earlier in a off podcast group chat. I'm going to share the screen here in terms of Twitter that the official uh, Obi Wan Kenobi Twitter released some uh, posters of these characters. We see here on the screen here you got Reva, got Reva, the Grand Inquisitor, the Fifth Brother, and. Uh, Haja. So, Pete, you want Reva to talk- sounds so much better than Reva. It does, but I, I wish it was Reva, but it's Reva. So, yeah. Pete, you want to break down what you told us to the audience? Yeah. So, my prediction before the Obi Wan show came out that Reva was going to help Obi Wan against Vader or something like that. She was going to switch sides and help Obi Wan in some sort of capacity. And when I saw the posters today, I found it very odd that the Grand Inquisitor and also the third, the fifth brother, excuse me, had what looks like to be the silhouette of Obi-Wan, but Haja and Reva have the silhouette of Darth Vader within that kind of like moon eye thing yeah, going yeah, on. Yeah, blow it up. Here's the Grand Inquisitor on the video version. You see the Obi-Wan silhouette here. And then this is Reva, and she has the Vader silhouette. I, I, I don't know if it's confirming my theory that she's going to go against Vader um, well, I think my original theory was she was going to help Obi-Wan, but maybe she's just going against Vader and that inadvertently helps Obi-Wan. So I don't know if this if this confirms it or it, it just sheds a little bit of light to it, but I just found that interesting. Nick, any thoughts on this? I'm not allowed to comment on this. All right, so... <laughs> because I read something, remember? Yeah, we'll leave that as it is. So that's the ep- that's the first two episodes. That will go into some of our usual post-episode uh Fun stuff here. So we were going to start off the the shenanigans here. We're going to look at here our uh, character draft board. We have a character draft going here to see who can get the most points from count appearances. This draft in the preview podcast. And unlike Book of Boba Fett, we're basically sat idle for three weeks. We had a lot of action here. Say tie the top. Nick has two. Pete has two. I'm on the board with one. Everybody's on the board here. Nick got one from Qui Gon Jinn when Obi Wan dreamt about him. You got one from Bail Organa episode one. Pete with the Leia pick, getting her in both episodes. I feel like Pete's had a great shot to win here so far. Thank God. Yeah, yeah I, I um, the good news is I still feel relatively confident about the people who I don't even have yet, and I'm very sure 
and I'll get the other two people that I do have another time. The problem is I'd be shocked if Leo was anything less than six. Yeah, and then he happens to run into Boba Fett somewhere, then Pete's got like a huge leg up. Yeah, maybe only five, and then we're good. This episode was not good for my team, because I feel like a lot of my guys should have shown up already if we were going to see some of these things. But you almost had Rex. I almost had Rex. I almost had a Rex. I had no Bounty Hunter Cad Bane there. No Ahsoka yet. I did get R2 in the corner of the party, so I was going to avoid getting skunks, but, you know, not a great start for me. But you, I had to watch eight times and didn't see him until you did the... Um, I screen grabbed it. Until you screen grabbed it and sent it to me. And, yeah, I looked. I watched it eight times this morning and did not see him once. Yeah, I think I misdirected you. I was going to say it was at the party. I think it was after the party was that scene. Oh, Okay. I, as I, make, I again watching it one thirty in the morning. You sort of like conflate the two things together because they're in the same room, but the party was over. And that's that. That is interesting. As I was, I was watching, that's when I guess that makes sense why I didn't see it. Okay, so that's the character draft where we'll update this every week. Next up here, we're going to do MVPs and LVPs for the episode. So just a reminder how this works. We're going to go to the Book of Boba Fett board here to reset here. Every episode, we get out one MVP, one LVP for each of us. So. Fennec Shan was the best character, according to us, in the Book of Boba Fett. The worst character here, I don't think I updated in the post uh, season here, but I believe we just made Defty Scott the worst character. Yeah, so when we do this, you guys can do it any way you want. I'm going to be doing one per episode for each, just because I feel like if these were not released that way, that's how I would have done it, so I don't want to change it based on their release schedule. You can do it any way you want, though. Like, Don't feel like just because I'm doing it that way, you have to. Yeah, we're, we're doing two points each, basically, today. So one for episode one, one for episode two, in theory. If you like to put two of your MVPs in one, you can do that. So we'll start out here with uh, you, Nick. Who's your first MVP of the episodes? So my, I'll do, I'm going to do it this way. Again, you don't have to. My episode one MVP is Obi-Wan. I thought it was, I really want to give it to Ewan McGregor, honestly. But I'm going to give it to Obi-Wan because it was just done so well. I loved the intro to him. Everything made sense. I thought he had a different house, which I was expecting to see. I guess he moves he might move. in the future. Yeah, he must. But um, yeah, everything about it was perfect. And I'm really excited about what's to come. I thought the first episode was flawless. Uh, Pete, who's your first MVP? As much as I think Obi-Wan was amazing and Ewan McGregor was amazing in the first episode, I have to give it to Uncle O. And the reason why I say that is because he does something different than what we thought would happen. Um you McGregor plays the part of exactly how we knew it was going to happen. And I think uncle Owen by putting Obi-Wan in his place to protect Luke and then also not giving him up to Reva, I think was huge. So I'm going to give an MVP point. I'm going to give an MVP point to bail Organa for episode one. I feel like the heart to heart with Leia was nice. He does a good job raising his daughter here. And he's really the one who basically like whips Obi-Wan's ass back into shape and says, dude, like, Get over yourself. You can make a difference in the universe. Like, my daughter needs you. He's the reason I feel like Obi-Wan leaves the planet and sets out this adventure here. So, I'm giving Bale my first MVP point. I like it. All right. So, now we have a second MVP point here. So, Nick, where do you want to start episode two? Can, can we do LVP first and then MVP and then LVP like that? Can we like do we, that? I feel like if you want to, I would say it would be easier to clean the MVPs up. Because I want to do it by episode. Okay. That's why I say that. All right. So... In terms of your episode one LVP, then who are you going with? Flea and his gang. Oh, so 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 you're gonna put, you're gonna give it to Flea or the whole Flea gang? The Flea gang. The fact that it took them two minutes to catch a girl who was moving no faster than four miles an hour. 
that was unbelievable to me watching them like actually watching them like if you watch like that scene in um the last jedi when they fight all the guards if you watch really closely a lot of the guards are doing nothing they're just standing there doing this and it's like punching thin air stuff like that watch these guys it's unbelievable what they're doing like he could just grab her and instead he's like doing he like goes over there and falls on purpose it's like it's really bad is this as bad as the spin from uh Book worse <laughs> worse than the spin yeah, Pete is the noted is the noted uh, fan of the spin. How do you feel about that? You no, know, definitely worse worse than the spin. I have to give my LVP point for episode one to that to that gang, the flea gang, gang. Okay, so. as I mentioned earlier, I wanted to give it to his boss really badly, but he had like two lines, so I couldn't. I'm gonna give the episode one LVP to uh, Leia's cousin because that kid's a turd, and literally I cannot reward that like kind of douche that kind of douchery go unpunished. So the kid's getting the LVP. And he, he definitely was. Yeah, like I like that kid was too much of a twerp that he could I couldn't let him skate. I'll t- I'll tell you this: one of my um, honorable mentions for MVP is Leia because yeah. she was really good. I would say she's definitely in the mix for me for this one too. Let's go to episode two, I guess here. So, Pete, you must start episode two MVP. Episode two, kind of tough. I'm going to give it to Obi-Wan because yeah, he goes out and tries to help Leia and, and uses the force when he wasn't supposed to and put sticks his neck out there. Um, I really liked Leia in episode two as well, but I don't know if she does anything that gives her an MVP point in that episode. So I'm going to give it Obi-Wan. Uh, Nick, you ought to get your episode two MVP. Also, Obi-Wan. I thought he showed a lot of growth between the two episodes already. Like he went from being a hermit, if you will, to being convinced to go and help out, to having to use the blaster and all that, and then realizing I got to use the force again. Like he showed a lot of growth, and from the beginning of this show to where he is right now, leaving, where I don't know where they're going. We didn't talk about that. Like, we have any idea where they're going? No, we do not. Yeah, and that's awesome because like everything we've seen with Obi Wan in the trailer, we've seen already. So he could be going to a planet. We have no idea. He could be going to Naboo for all we know. We have no idea. Yeah, that's really cool. That's completely open ended, but. He really grew, and so far, I got two points for Obi-Wan. I'm going to give my MVP for this episode to Haja. I feel like, you know, we meet him. He's not doing the best stuff here. Like, he is, like, swindling people to get their credits, but he does have a good heart. He is trying to save people. He realizes that Obi-Wan needs his help. He goes to help him. He goes and takes on an Inquisitor with no powers and says, you know what, I'm a Jedi, and basically buys time. Like, that takes some stones for a notorious con man. So I'm giving Haja an MVP point. A question if we find out in the next episode that Haja tricked Obi-Wan and sets him into a trap, will you take this point away? I feel like for his actions this episode, I was just give, I was just giving LVP the next episode then. Okay. All right, now we get to the other fun stuff here. So episode two LVP. Uh Pete. Uh I'm gonna have to give it to Reva because she's super annoying. I, uh, I'm seriously sensing that Kylo Ren complex, totally obsessed. I get it. Like when Nick says, when Nick says, I get why she, you know, it's like, if, if he's here, let's just do it. But like, I, the obsession and, and I don't want to say the acting is bad, but almost like her mad and intense voice and the way she says lines is sometimes like, almost like she's forcing it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have to give it to Reva. Uh, Nick, your episode two LVP. Also, Riva, I think she's extremely over the top. It's too much. 
it's forced and I always hear, especially in the Star Wars community, because everyone attacks Star Wars so much. Like, you can't blame the actors. You can't blame the actors. But let me ask you a question. What if the actress is just really not good? Can we blame the actress? I why is it like, like we can blame writing all we want, but why can't we ever blame an actress if they're not good or an actor if they're not good? I think she's just not good. And I, I know you're not allowed to say that in today's world, but I don't think she's good. I think it's more the direction, though. It could be. But I think she, I, I, I just think that she's way over the top and it's ridiculous, I think, at this point. And I'm scared that the show's going to be about her and not Obi-Wan after this point. But Because you could say the same we'll thing. Think. You could say the same thing about Hayden Christian acting in the prequels as well. People did. Yeah. People did. Yeah. And But now we're not allowed to say that anymore, and I'm not really sure why. We said it about him. Why can't we say it about her? Absolutely. My LVP for episode two to round it out here is I'm, I'm going to throw on the Flea Gang again because... They lost this kid who they had locked up pretty securely, and then they get their asses wiped by the Grand Inquisitor. So, the very deserving LVP for the Flea Gang. Like, they were completely useless bad guys. I, I agree. Yeah. So, the Flea Gang is going to be the bottom of the board right now at negative three. And Reed was right behind them. Yeah, and that, I, that's, that's how I like it. And that's what I would have thought. Obi Wan's up there with plus three, I guess, right? Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Obi-Wan's on top right now, plus three. And now let's go ahead to the episode rankings. We're going to give a score for each episode here. We're going to go with Nick, what's our scale again? What did you say? What are you about the scale to be for this episode? One to ten, right? One to ten. So episode, we're going to do them one at a time. So episode one. Oh, right. Zero to ten. Let's get just in case. All right, zero to ten. So Nick, what's your grade for episode one? Episode one, I am giving a ten out of ten. Part one's getting a ten. 10 out of 10. I thought it was flawless. The only issue I had with the entire episode, again, was that I said that Riva did not just get the information from Owen, but it's too small of a detail for me to push it down more than that. It was I thought it was exactly what I wanted to see in an Obi-Wan series, and it's exactly what we got. I'm giving it a 9. I feel like, for me, like the flea stuff bought me a little bit, and like there was some stupid stuff with uh, our Jedi Nari, who had... I don't know how he escaped the LEP board, but he did, but... I will say in terms of that episode, I feel like he had, like, there was enough great stuff there. I'm really excited to go back and check it out again at some point. Pete, what's your episode part one great? Yeah, I'm going to give it a nine as well, only because I think there could be more exciting parts to it that would give it a 10, right? Like, I feel like if we get down down the road of, of episodes and there's a really good Darth Vader versus Obi-Wan battle, I don't know how I can give that a 10, but then also first episode, but I'm, I'm going to give it a nine just because there's a little room for growth there. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. All right. Part two now. Nick, grade for part two. Uh, seven. I thought part two was very good. I loved the idea of the story, like on this planet, meet with this fake Jedi guy, rescue Leia, have to escape the city kind of thing. But I really think Reva like brought this episode down a lot with the with just the the over-the-topness and the unnecessary stuff. And like I said, it made sense on Tatooine because it was like her goal to do it. But like when she was doing parkour all over the city, like it was just like way too much. It was just strange. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of cringeworthy in a way, her character. And I'm not really, I'm not really thrilled with her character. And unfortunately, I think we have a lot more to go with her. So setting her up to be the big bad in the show and we'll see how that plays out. I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a five. I think it was fine. I think there was stuff that was good in there. I think the Reva stuff does bring it down a bit. And I do think that, like, some of the sequences went a bit too long. The Flea Gang also thinks a big negative in this episode here. And, like, 
I think if they did kill the Grand Inquisitor, it does bother me a lot because you're you're just breaking canon just for the sake. You of could change thing. me to a six because of the Grand Inquisitor thing. And just because, uh, to be honest with you, I thought you both were going to give it like an eight or a nine, and since you're going a five, I didn't want to be the guy giving it a, a six when everyone else had it as a nine. So I'll give it a six. All right, Pete, you want to close out on part two? Oh, you know, I'm just going to to debate you, Mike, on this Grand Inquisitor thing. It's not going to be a debate. It's going to be quick. There's other Grand Inquisitors, I'm, I'm sure. I don't know if they're from Rebels, even though it's the same species and they're supposed to look like. Has it been confirmed that this is the Grand Inquisitor from Rebels? I think they, they said it was. Okay, so... I think it is, but I'm not positive. Confirm it, then I agree with you 100%. If they killed them off and they're, they're retconning that, I agree with you. That's just messed up. I don't, you don't need to do it. Um, but I'm going to give this a seven. And the reason why I'm going to give it a seven is because we've had a lot worse Star Wars shows that have gotten no less than a uh, book of Boba Fett. I think the lowest score he gave was a four. I, I don't know if I can give this a five or a six. That's just above the lowest book of Boba Fett show. Right. I'm gonna, and then I'm going to be that way. So I'm going to give it a seven, a lot better. It could be a lot better, but it could have been a hell of a lot worse. Yeah. For me, I feel like my standards are also higher for the show than were for Boba Fett. And that's fair. I think, I think that's fair to have a higher standard, but if we're going to pin point a number and we're going to put it up against other shows with using the same scale i, d- I don't know if we can me personally I-, I can give it a five when the lowest book of boba fett score i gave was like a four it's a very good point yeah for me i just feel like for me it's like it's again watching this late like the second one not hold my attention much as the first one did yeah but it's a very good point like maybe we should have graded those public fed episodes harsher i don't know but they weren't bad in the time it's just like like each like when i said when i watched that show each episode individually, I liked it. But when I watch it as a show, because Pete, you brought this up in like the second week, you're like, this show's a disaster. The episodes aren't bad, but the show is a disaster. Yeah, it's a fair point. We'll, we're not going to keep track of these as we, I'm not going to put a graph up every week as we go, because I'm just going to sort of tabulate them. And at the end of the season, we'll see how we did on these guys. But we'll keep that going here. And now the last thing here, predictions for part three. The first week, we sort of had this pretty easy. We all kind of got something right here. Pete said Vader shows up, a lightsaber battle right away. So, so Pete was half credit there. Uh, Nick said, Oh, we want to watch over Luke. He fights with Owen, meets another Jedi, and leaves Tatooine. So Nick guys in enti- basically his entire prediction is part one. Yeah, I, I wish I told you the Vader thing too, because I knew I know I said it to everybody else. I don't know why I said it and say it here. I said Vader gets the last word. My word, my exact word is basically like Vader's be the last thing we see in episode two. Yep, that's what I thought too, and I should have just said it. All right, no, so now let's go ahead to your prediction time. So you have a prediction for part three, Nick. So I've never done this before in the history of the Sky Guys podcast. And I want you to write it out in quotes and bleep this out in post. I have no fucking idea. <laughs> I have no clue. All right, Pete, any, anything you want to add in prediction? I'm gonna I'm gonna go bold. Grand Inquisitor is still alive, and Darth Vader patches him up, and we have a Darth Vader Obi Wan interaction of some sort. So the Grand Inquisitor gets saved by Vader, and the two of them interact for the first time. That's what I'm going with. Yeah, no, I think I think that's that, that's exactly what I, I want to happen, and it would at least save the whole Grand Inquisitor being retcon thing. I'm going to go with sort of, I'm going to say, also agree. I don't, I'm going to say we don't see the Grand Inquisitor yet. I feel like I'm going to leave his fate as a mystery for an episode. 
I think we're going to basically follow the Obi-Wan Leia thing. It's not going to be a clean thing. I feel like there's going to be a catch to the uh, Haja transport. I don't think it's a bad catch. I think it's going to be like, oh, you have to do this for me in order to get the next step of your journey. I feel like Obi-Wan's got to go on a side quest this episode. Which is exactly why I said I have no idea, because it's. It, I just feel like it's not going to be easy. He has to go somewhere, but where? I have no clue. Or doing what? With who? I have no idea. Yeah, and I feel like there's going to be, like, there's gonna, he's got to do some sort of job for, to get to get himself, like, on to the next like destination, get closer to bringing Leia back to Alderaan. Yeah, I just have no clue where he's going next. I just know it's probably not Alderaan, but it could also be Alderaan. So, like, it could be Alderaan or something completely different. What If it's completely different, where is it? We have no idea. That's why I'm writing. I have no idea. So I'm going to say, like, call it, like you said this way, P, I think this is, I'm going to say this is a Mando mission episode where he has, like, a mission of the week he has to do. That's that's fair. I I'll be honest with you. I hope not. We only have six episodes. This next this next episode is literally the halfway. So I'm hoping that is not the case and they waste an episode on a side mission. However, if done correctly and getting cameos from maybe different characters, having a Darth Vader interaction because of that side quest or whatever it is, it would work. But remember, after this week, we are halfway through the, the series. Yeah, I feel like we're pacing much better than we did on Boba Fett. Correct. So if if the pacing is this quick, if they have a throwaway episode, I hope the rest of the season is not let's cram pack, jam pack things in three episodes kind of a thing. So I'm hoping for not the side quest. I think we are going to get the side quest. I feel like it's my hunch that we're going to get some sort of thing as they want to get an episode of Leia and Obi-Wan like interacting together before like, he drops her off. I feel like that's going to be something happens and he's going to have to like work with her to solve a problem. It's fair. I mean, I, it's not a bad prediction. All right. So we're calling the Mando mission. That's and that's it for the premiere. So we're going to be back next week. We're reviewing part three of this. This is Nick's last episode before he gets married. And he's then he disappears for two episodes. He's going to follow the Grand Inquisitor. Hopefully, you know, show up on our screens again by the finale. <laughs> yep. I'll be back. I mean, yeah, I'll be back for the finale. Yeah. But next week will be my last. And uh Yeah. We got some exciting stuff coming up here. We have some good guest hosts lined up, P, to fill the third chair on this guy, guys, for while Nick is away. We're going to miss Nick for sure, but um, the guest the guest appearances we're going to have, the cameos we're going to have are going to be uh, really good as well, so definitely don't miss out on that. I will say for the audience, I'm going to tease here a little bit. There is one cameo you have seen before if you have watched the Sky guys, and there is one you only know if you have watched just on the Suffering Listener, so I'll, say, I'll put it as out there. There you go. You got your teaser. It's our teaser here. I'm going to end the show. I want to thank you guys for hopping on. Really appreciate it. Pete, you want to follow on social media? I'm going to do that. At PJ Consadori 29 C-O-N-S-A-D-O-R-I on Twitter. Go follow me there, retweeting all this stuff and some hockey stuff. So, All right, Nick, how about you? I'm going to follow you on Twitter. Nick Fry underscore nine, or just follow the Sky Guys podcast on Instagram, which, spoiler alert, I run. And uh, we're doing great there now. Absolutely. You can also follow me on Twitter, mphilips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. I took a week off of the sports side of the Just End of Suffering podcast. Just wanted to sort of get the ducks in a row here. Get back next week. Do a little NBA Finals preview. P, if the Rangers get through, we're going to talk some hockey. But I, we, we still have some work to do for that. So much work to do. Oh, this is rough. It's just really rough. Two more games. We have to win two in a row, though, which means we have to steal one from Carolina in Carolina. Oh, man. I, I'm, I'm really hoping we could do it. Um, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah, there's also another pop culture episode coming on the Just on the Suffering podcast next week. We're going to have some 
Stranger Things coverage. I also talked to a friend of the podcast, John Sanko, do some summer movie previews here. And Nick, he is out on the Minions movie. He's not interested in that. No, did you see the, um, did you watch Stranger Things at all yet? I have watched the premiere. I haven't seen it since the second season, but is it good? It is good. Cool. All right. Good for them. So that's coming up next week. Until then, may the force be with you, everybody.